Welcome to A Legacy of Preaching with Dr. Bill Burr. For one to have a legacy of faithful preaching, they must love God, love God's truth, and love to preach His truth. Dr. Bill Burr excelled in all of these areas, and he has certainly left us all a legacy of faithful preaching. Now, let's all tune in for this great message from God's Word with Dr. Bill Burr. All right, in Acts chapter number 1, it says here, But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Now, I mentioned last Wednesday night that this is a command from God. We're to go out, we're to win souls, we're to give our money, we're to be sold out for Jesus. Now, uh, we always tell people that we're strangers and pilgrims in this land. We're just passing through. And uh, uh, that's true. Isn't that right? I mean, listen, we're, we're bound for heaven. And uh, this, this world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. And so I'm saying to you, you'd better make sure where your treasure is. Amen. And a lot of people got it in the Bank of Raleigh, got it in the uh, Raleigh County National Bank, the, the First National of Beckley, and, and I'll leave some out. But uh, wherever you've got, you might have it in a fruit jar somewhere out behind the house, wherever it is. I'm telling you, you're going to be like the man that lay down and died. And they said, how much did he leave? And the fellow said, all of it. Amen. You're not going to take a bit with you. And I don't have anything against nice homes. I'd like to have one. I don't have anything against nice automobiles. I'd love to have a Lincoln. I said for a long time, there's a rumor going around that's going to get me one. And nobody paid any attention to it, so I quit spreading it. But... Uh, uh, I'd love to have a Lincoln automobile. As a matter of fact, somebody got me one, a copper one, and it uh, plays my favorite song, Almost Heaven, West Virginia. But I, I'm talking about one of those big ones. I'd like to have that, and um, I wouldn't mind having a little money in the bank and this sort of thing, but folk, don't get too tight to it. Amen? Don't become dependent upon it. You depend on Jesus and remember, the only thing that's going to leave this world will be the souls of men and women and boys and girls. That's right. The only thing here tonight that will ever go to heaven from Emmanuel Baptist Church are the people that are here. These pews, bless your heart, they're going to burn up. Now, some of them are already worn out. Brother Frank back here, his is threadbare. I mean, listen, he's twisted and turned back there. I thought one day he was under conviction, but then he told me, no, he just is uncomfortable sometimes. But his is about, to, these things are going to just burn up one day. And all of the instruments in here, our clothes, listen, if the, if the world, uh, if the trumpet were to sound right now, uh, the only thing you'd see up here uh, would be this table here and the microphone and this uh uh, Bible and uh, this book and my coat and uh, uh, sorry to say my socks and shoes, but I don't have any on tonight. But uh, you'd see all that left here. I'd be gone. And the only thing that would be left of you would just be the clothes that you're wearing. They'd come in here and look around and that's all they'd see. Now, uh, there may be some in here that's lost and could explain to them what's happened. I don't know, but I'm going to be gone. Amen. 
Now, my friend, we must stand before God one day and give an account to Him. And it saddens my heart to see people go on week after week, week after week, month after month, and never win anybody to Jesus. Now, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand tonight because I wouldn't want to embarrass you. But you remember last Wednesday night when we had people lift their hand and you said, Brother Bill, I'm promising God tonight that by the grace of God, he's laid somebody upon my heart and by the close of this week, before Sunday or next Wednesday rolls around, by his grace, I'm going to go and speak to them. I'm going to telephone them. I'm going to write them a letter, a postcard, do something. I'm going to witness to them one more time. Now, I'd venture to say, now I just know human nature well enough to know that probably most of the people that made that vow, you didn't do it. Some of you did, and I thank God for that. But the vast majority of people just make vows to God, promise God things, and never follow through on them. You know how I know that? Because I do the same thing. Amen. I've promised God everything under the sun almost, and then I forget about my promises and my vows. Well, the Bible says it's better not to make a vow than to make a vow and then break it. So you need to think about those vows that you make to God and those promises that you make to God. And there's no reason why you can't be a soul winner. Amen. There's no reason at all in the world under God's heaven tonight why you can't be a soul winner and concerned about the souls of mankind. Now, let me share this with you tonight. If you do, if you ever get to be a soul winner, I've got one of those 29-point messages up here tonight, and I'll only get through two or three of them, but I've got things written down that I want to share with you about being a soul winner. If you ever win any souls to Jesus, you're going to have to get saved first and know that you're saved. Amen. Now, there can't be any think so, maybe so, or, or, or any other kind of soul, you've got to know that you're saved. Now, Brother Delbert come by to see me this week, and uh, he, he's trying to help me. I mean that. I mean, he's trying to help this preacher. He said, preacher, said, I got to thank you the other week, even before that. But he said, it just came home to me that uh, I don't have any insurance, not a drop. I don't have any kind of insurance except hospitalization. Now, I'm not against insurance, and I'm not one of these pious fellows that back off and say, well, God's going to take care of me. Well, God may take care of you by using your noodle and getting you to invest in your future a little bit because everybody gets old. Amen. If you don't die, you're going to get old. So there's nothing wrong with having a little insurance, but I just know that over the years, if I'd have had it, Brother Lloyd, it would have lapsed on me because there's been times I'd have had to make a choice whether or not I'm going to pay the insurance premium this week or whether or not we're going to have those beans and cornbread, you know. So uh, it would have lapsed on me. But I've reached a point in my life now when I'm uh, soon be uh, 50 years old and I don't have any insurance. And uh, he came by and tried to help me. He sat down with me, showed me what would happen to my wife and my children if I if when I fell down these stairs over here, if I'd have broke my neck and back and I had gotten killed there in the parsonage, he sat down with a red little pencil and a graph and he showed me on a piece of paper exactly 
or thereabouts exactly what my wife would be faced with if, uh, if I were to get killed or if I died. Now he's trying to help me with that insurance. And I thank God for it. Boy, Ms. Burr, you're in sad shape. I showed her today. And I, I mean, listen, uh, uh, she's been used to living up here. And bless your heart, if I died uh, today and uh, she had to move out of here, and by the way, you'd have to do that. You'd have to do that. No matter how much you loved her, you'd have to go over and say, Ms. Burr, we've we got to call another pastor. And uh, you and the children are going to have to live. I get sad thinking about it. Huh? What if, what if you were in Loy's shoes, in uh, Loy's deacon of this church, had to go over there and say, Miss Burr, you got to move. Well, she'd be there till Jesus comes. I'll tell you right now, because Loy, <laughs> I know him well enough, he'd never get it said, you know. But I, I'm just a realist, my friend, and I'm telling you, he was trying to help me. But now, after it was all over, suppose I'd look at Delbert and I'd said, now, Delbert, are you sure this thing will work? And he said, well, preacher, I'll tell you what. I've never tried it myself. And other people have said it works. But you know, everybody's subject to going broke, even prudential. And so I'm not real sure that it'll work. And I'll tell you what, I'd be a fool to buy something like that. Amen. I wouldn't do, I wouldn't do business with him. Now, if you go out to tell somebody about Jesus, Suppose Mr. Brown, I witnessed to Mr. Brown some time ago up here in the hospital. And uh, I told him Jesus loved him. I said he died for him. And I said, Mr. Brown, uh, I said, wouldn't you like to trust Jesus Christ as your Savior? And uh, he did. He That day in that room, I don't know what transpired since then. He seems to have some doubts now about this, you know. But I, I'm just saying that day he did this. Now, suppose I had looked at him and uh, he said, now, preacher, are you sure this thing will work? And I said, well, now, uh, I don't know. I've got some serious doubts about it myself. Well, now, he'd be a fool to trust me, you know. And I'm saying to you, you can't talk to anybody unless you're sold on that thing yourself. Who was that in our house the other day, Ms. Burr, uh, that's selling Tupperware? Who was that? Yes, Mrs. Bekejian. I don't know about Tupperware, but she can make some of the best lasagna you ever put in your mouth. And uh, she brought me a big pan of that. She's talking about Tupperware. And uh, I want to tell you something. You won't sell Tupperware if you're not sold on it. You won't sell Avon if you're not sold on it yourself. If you're not sold on what you're doing, you'll never uh, convince anybody else to take what you've got. And so I'm saying if you're ever going to be a soul winner... If you're ever going to be a true witness for Jesus Christ and ever get any results to your service for him, you've got to be saved. And not only that, but you've got to have full assurance of your salvation. Now, I want to tell you something. I don't doubt my salvation. I just don't do it. And uh, Brother Frank, I don't believe you doubt your salvation tonight. And Brother Guy, I don't believe you doubt yours. And Brother Lloyd, I don't believe you doubt yours tonight. And I, I could go on around this room with people who would say, Pastor, I don't doubt my salvation. Now, I'm telling you, those are the people that can get something done for Jesus. Amen? Those that know they're saved, that are excited about being saved, and those that have full assurance of their salvation. I met a lady out at Brother Larry Easler's church. Monday night, and she had just gotten saved. 
just gotten saved Sunday, I believe. And uh, I, they own the West Virginia Glass Company, uh, she and her husband. And she was excited. You know what she had done that day? She had gone home that Monday uh, after church and cleaned the house. And she, she was so excited. She said, Preacher, said, I poured all the liquor out. I said, Amen. Glory to God. I mean, I just broke the bottles, poured it out, cleaned up the house, you know. And she was excited about being saved. Now, that's the kind of people that'll win people to Jesus. Huh? When you preach on the second coming, you got some dead head sitting out there, been saved 45 years, and he ran back and said, well, he ain't come yet, and I ain't looking for him this year. Huh? But if you got somebody out there that just got saved or somebody that's on fire for God, and you say, Jesus is coming, they say, where, where, you know, when? I mean, they're looking for him all the time. Those are the people that get the job done. I pick on insurance people because I used to sell a little bit. And I do mean a little bit. I mean little. Folk, there's some that can and some that can't. And I, I'll tell you what, I, I, I couldn't. But I, I can tell you why I couldn't. Because do you know the whole time I was selling insurance, I didn't have any insurance. Ain't that something? I mean, listen, I, I didn't have any insurance. The whole time I was trying to sell for pilot life, going out talking to people, and trying to get them to buy it, if they had honestly asked me what my insurance future was and so forth, I'd have said, well, I ain't got none. Now, Brother Delbert, you got any insurance? He's got it, amen. He believes in it, you know. And, and that's why he can get out and sell it, you know, because he believes in what he's doing. Get excited about this thing of serving God. Oh, I got so excited down at Brother Darrell's last night. Amen. Listen, they had a baptismal service down there. And uh, uh, now I don't think everything they did about it was right. I really don't. I'm going to talk to Daryl about it. That's what but I, I'll tell you what, it's minor what I, I won't talk to. I mean that, very minor. Don't, don't, uh, but I, they, they just slop water everywhere. I mean, just wipe down in there. Man, I was so excited. Every time they'd come up, I'd say, amen, amen, you know. I mean, people were getting saved. People were getting baptized. And I praise God for that. We need that. Amen. Amen. Been a long time. Been a long time since we've been in this baptistry up here. And I'm, I'm ashamed of that. And I, I, I tell you what, I won't see somebody saved and born again and then follow the Lord in believer's baptism. So I'm saying if you get anybody saved, man, you're going to have to know you're saved and be excited about your own salvation. And then I want you to know this. If you get anybody saved, they're going to have to watch your testimony. You're going to have to prove yourself to be faithful. Huh? Suppose I went downtown and I was witnessing to somebody in the J.C. Penney store. And I had applied for credit. And they sent out a, what do you call that when you investigate your credit? I, I don't know what it is. What is it? What? Credit report. That's simple, isn't it? Huh? Well, they, they send that out and they check me out. All right, now, it comes back down there and uh, Ms. Basham sees it. And she sees where, man, they foreclosed on my automobile i lost that last year and and uh, they see see where i run up a big bill here with uh mastercard visa and i wouldn't pay them they see where they had to serve papers on me you know and all these things and 
And uh, she knows that about me. And then suppose I go down there and uh, I'm handing out tracks somewhere and I come face to face with her and, and, uh, and uh, she met me for the first time. And I said, now, I'm Bill Burr. I'm pastor of Emmanuel Baptist Church. And I'm telling you, she's just human as anybody else. And when you see a sorry report like that, it registers on you. That's right. And she sees me, and, and all of a sudden, those things get turned in here, and she says, you know, that rascal said he going to pay his bill. Now, I'm telling you, I wouldn't get the first base witnessing to her. I mean, listen, if you don't have a good testimony, and you aren't faithful in your service to God, and you don't have a good report in the church and outside the church, bless your heart, you can talk to your blue in the face, and everybody's going to laugh at you. They won't put any stock in what you've got to say. I know a preacher right now in Tennessee that can just preach up a storm, Ms. Burkani. I mean, when it comes to taking the Word of God and, uh, and just preaching, oh, listen, he can, he can hold the cotton, but his life doesn't back it up. Everywhere he's ever been, he's always left on all kind of money, deep in debt, uh, uh, jip people out of money and valuables and so forth. And uh, uh, listen, he's ruined. He can't get a church now. You know why? Because every time he goes and preaches and they hear him preach and they think, man, what a preacher. We'd love to have somebody like that. And then they get to asking questions and going back and checking. And before you know it, they found out just what kind of man he is. And they said, no, we, we don't want him. I'm telling you, my friend, if you're going to win any souls to Jesus, you're going to have to be saved, and you're going to have to prove yourself to be faithful to God. Now, the Bible co commands that, we, uh, that we're faithful. Amen. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Now, this is a pretty good message tonight. Amen. I know it probably ain't what Dr. Seidler had, but you can go out there tomorrow night and Friday night, huh? But uh, I'm trying to get you encouraged to win souls. Now look at 1 Corinthians 4 and <clears throat> verse number 1. Let a man so account of us as of the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. Now, you say, well, that's talking about the preacher. No. Listen, the gospel has been committed unto you, my friend. Not only to the preacher, not only to the deacon and Sunday school teacher, but every person here tonight, we're a steward over what God has left with us. Where is it over in Matthew chapter 25? Turn there. Matthew chapter number 25. I think that's about the talents, isn't it? And uh, what was left and uh, uh, in the care of these when uh, it says, For the kingdom of heaven is a man traveling into a far country who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. Now, verse number 15. And unto one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to every man according to his several ability, and straightway took his journey. Now, I'm telling you, you're a servant of God. You're a child of God. You ought to be in his, his army and doing his bidding. And God has committed. Now, this is not talent here. Uh, like Mrs. Burr has talent to play the piano and Brother Buck has talent to play the guitar and, and uh, uh, to do everything else under the sun. I, uh, but I'm telling you, this kind of talent here was an amount of money. 
that was committed into their trust. Now God has committed the gospel into our trust. And he's coming back one day. Now look here. It says in verse number 19, After a long time the Lord of those servants cometh and reckoneth with them. I mean, listen, you've got to stand before him one day and give an account of what has been committed unto you, what you did with it. Now don't you be like that one fellow that went out and, and uh, uh, he buried his. He buried it. He said, I'm just going to keep it, so I'll just bury it. Don't you do that. You know why? Because it was taken away from him. Now, I'm telling you, go out and do something with what God has committed unto you. Now, look up here. Every person here, it says these things are committed unto us according to our several ability, our different ability. Now, some folk here tonight have great ability. Some of you people here tonight, if you tried it, if you tried it, why, there's no, there's no limit to what you could do in winning friends and influencing people and, and, and getting people about you. There are others of you, bless your heart, you can't hardly open your mouth tonight. You're frightened. You're shy. You're withdrawn. You're, you're an introvert. You don't want to get out and meet people. Now, there are different kinds of people here tonight, but my friend, the gospel is committed uh, to all of us, and it'll be based upon your ability and your faithfulness as to how you did with what God gave to you. So I'm telling you tonight, you'd better be faithful. And then I want you to know this, not only does God desire people that are saved, God wants people that are faithful to him, but God wants folk that are separated in their living. Amen. Now, I'm not going to preach a long sermon on this now. My time's gone. But I'll tell you what, you ought to be able to look at people and get a pretty good idea of what kind of person they are simply by looking at them. I mean that. I mean, if you meet somebody, you say, well, uh, uh, I don't put much stock in first impressions. Well, I do. I do. Uh, that first impression means a lot to people, you know. And if I was an employer, I mean, listen, if I was an employer out here, I don't care if I was looking for somebody to sack groceries for me. If I had two young men come in and one of them was just as sloppy as he could be, had on tight blue jeans and an old sweatshirt that had uh, some saying written across the top of it and hair down his back and, and uh, shoes that looked like uh, tennis shoes hadn't been washed in in a month and just sloppy looking, I had another young man come in and he was dressed neat and, and, and clean. His hair was cut right and he was he just a fine looking young man. That first impression would mean a lot to me. And the impression that you make on people every day of your life as far as being a child of God means a lot. Amen. So I'm saying to you, walk right, talk right, do right. Be right, smell right, live right. I mean, listen, just be separated in your living. And then I think you ought to be separated in where you, how you worship God. Amen. They had that parade down here. Did I mention that? That woman called me. I guess it did. Called me and said, Preacher, you want to be in this parade? All the churches. I said, no, I don't want to get in it. 
I mean, I can't have any fellowship with uh, uh, with uh, uh, the Methodist folk. Do you know that they sent? I had another man call me. He said, "Preacher, said uh, we want to want you to get into this thing. We're fighting alcohol." And I get the paper now. Uh, it comes in the mail to me. He said, "We're fighting alcohol." He said, "We want to know if you'll get in the battle with us. Are you against alcohol?" I said, "Yeah, I'm against alcohol." I said, where you go to church? He said, I go to the First United Methodist Church in Beckley. I said, sir, let me tell you something. I said, I'm not only against alcohol. I said, I'm against homosexual preachers. Amen. They ordained some. And uh, I- I'm against the National Council of Churches. Amen. I'm not only against alcohol. I'm against the National Council of Churches. And I'm not only against alcohol, but I'm against the World Council of Churches. I'm not only against alcohol, but I I believe people ought to live right. And I said, no, sir, I'm not interested in getting on your bandwagon. I'm against alcohol, and I'm against abortion and everything else under the sun, but I'll tell you what, I'm not going to yoke up with some of this crowd out here. Why should I yoke up with Catholicism? I mean, we're screaming and and crying over a million and a half little babies being killed last week or last year. And how true it is. We ought to get into battle. We ought to fight it. But I'll tell you what, those people that are, are, are standing along against abortion, Roman Catholicism, I'm talking about, uh, uh, specifically, if you would go down to the public library and check out material down there, where everybody can get their hands on it and read the history of the church, Romanism, and go back. And I'm telling you, there have been vicious popes down through the years that have had multiplied millions of people put to death. Christian people persecuted them. You'd be surprised in in Spain and other places around the world, Mexico tonight, of what's going on with that crowd. Sure, I'm against some that. I believe you ought to be separated. I believe it's important where you go to church. Amen. Important who you identify with. I'm telling you tonight, people need to be separated. I don't have time for all of this, but let me just share this. I believe you ought to be filled with the Spirit of God. Amen. You say, Brother Bill, you have been filled with the Spirit? Yes, I have. Yes, I have. You say, well, you're not any Jack Howells. I know that. I won't ever be any Jack Howells. I'm just going to be Bill Burr by the grace of God. That's all I want to be. You say, well, you say you've been filled with the Spirit of God, but you, you're no Dr. Harold B. Seitler. I know that. I don't want to be Harold B. Seitler. I want to be Bill Burr. Now, wouldn't I be the biggest fool that ever hit Raleigh County if I got out here in the middle of Harper Road and hollered real loud and said, hey, stop by here and look what old Bill Bird did. My wife knows me better than anybody in this room tonight. And she knows and she could tell you that I couldn't build a rabbit box. I don't know how to do anything. That's right. Poor all my life. I've never been able to handle money. Man, I, I, I couldn't pay my bills one time until God stepped in and began to do it for me. Now, I'm telling you, it took the Spirit of God to get done 
what's done in this place right here. Now, it's not on the same plane as First Baptist in Hammond, Indiana, but I'm telling you, I'm just as excited tonight about Emmanuel Baptist Church in Beckley, West Virginia, and I can see just as much as God's doing right here on this plot of ground as Dr. Howells can see up yonder in Beckley, West Virginia. I'm telling you, God is in Emmanuel Baptist Church. And the only way you'll ever get anything done is to be filled with the Spirit of God. You say, what does that mean, Brother Bill? Well, it means yielding yourself to God. That's exactly what it means. Now, there's some that come along and tell you, well, you've got to be filled with the Spirit, and then you've got to speak in tongues, and this is an evidence of your salvation, and I understand now they've even changed that. I mean, even the charismatics now are watering it down a little bit so they can get others in. I'm telling you tonight, when you got saved, S-A-V-E-D, washed in the precious blood of Jesus, the Holy Ghost of God, the earnest, the down payment on your salvation moved into your body. And he lives there. Now you've got just as much of him as you had when you got saved. The thing that it depends on is not what you have of him, but what he has of you. Amen. Yielding yourself to him. That's what it means to be filled with the Spirit of God. I mean, listen, God's not going to use an old dirty vessel. I mean, you can't expect God to uh, use uh, you if you've got sin in your life and rebellion in your heart. I'm telling you, clean up your life, confess your sin, and then cry to God and say, Oh, God, fill me. I want to be, I want to be used. And God will fill you up. God will help you. God will put a burning in your heart, a desire in your heart to serve Him. I mean, there's not just a select few that God says can win souls. Everybody can do that. Everybody. You know why you don't win any? You don't try. You don't try. You know why you don't win any? You don't knock on doors. You just don't go out. You don't, you don't get around. You don't see the people. You say, that's what we pay you for. <laughs> Bless your heart. You want me to have all the reward when we get to heaven? Huh? You want the preacher and the deacons and Sunday school teachers to have everything when you get to heaven? No. Go out and win a few yourself. Paul said, they are my joy and my crown of rejoicing. Amen. I mean, those who have been won by Paul, he said, that's my crown. I can look out tonight in this congregation, and I can see people here tonight that I led to Jesus. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that marvelous? I mean, listen, that's one crown that's going to be mine, Brother Shrewsbury, because I, I've won some, so not as many as I should have, but I've won some. Now, you better do the same thing. Amen. Be about the Father's business. 